welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Okay, we've been in a series called The Final Week. The Final Week. And what we've been doing is we've been looking over the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Over the course of uh, Sundays, we've talked about his triumphal entry. We've talked about um, his uh, challenges that he's had throughout the week from the religious institution, from the people there. And this morning now, we find ourselves midweek in Jesus' final week. And we find ourselves uh, hanging out with Jesus over dinner. And so we're going to talk this morning about Mary anointing Jesus' head and his feet with perfume and what that means. People say that your sense of smell is the strongest one of your five senses. It conjure, when you smell something, it conjures up memory. There's something about smell and memory, isn't there? I remember visiting a friend in and not even in a nostalgic look. I visited a friend in Detroit, and we met at this bakery, and we had a very significant talk in this bakery in Ferndale, in Detroit. It was a very significant conversation. And I drove home from Detroit to Cleveland, and the whole way home, I smelled this bakery on my clothes and on my jacket. And wouldn't you know, I was, I was in tears on the way home. This conversation will be forever linked with Red Hook Bakery for some reason in Detroit. And so I text my friend every once in a while. I go, that was Heaven's Bakery, man. I still smell it. If I smell a good pastry, I think about that conversation. There's something about our sense of smell that's the strongest of the five senses that conjures up memory. Um, you know, the guitarist from U2, Edge, uh, said that songs are like smells. Some are like really pleasant and some are just like stinky. You're like, man, what is that smell? Like, stop playing that song right now. But anyway, so what we know midweek through Jesus' week is that there was a woman involved in this context. Some people say her name was Mary. Some people say it was Mary Magdalene. The jury's still out. We know there was an anointing happening. There was perfume that was spilled. And that perfume was expensive. It was really costly to Mary. And then we also know for sure that there was a protest involved that there was a dispute towards the end of the, the night. And what I want to do, for you note-takers, I'm going to give you all three points right up front, and then we can be done with it. The three points are this, that Mary needed to worship, that she was connected with Jesus, and that she wasn't afraid to worship. There it is. She needed to worship, she was connected with Jesus, and she wasn't afraid So if you don't take anything else with you, there they are for you type A note takers on the screen. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're going to read the passage. We're going to be in Mark 14. This account is in all of the Gospels. 
And some say they're different instances. Instances. Some people say that this is a different instance, this is early in Jesus' ministry, or maybe it's multiple times that this happens, that Jesus is being anointed multiple times. Regardless, we know that this one happens a couple of days before Jesus is crucified. And so won't you read with me? We're going to be Mark 14, 1 through 11. And Mark records this. Oh, and if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one, by the way. If you, if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, you can download it for free, real simple, and you can follow along on Sundays. You can read at your home. We love it. We love God's Word. It's just so good. He speaks to us. Jesus, will you speak to us? Let me speak to every one of us, God, right where we're at. Now, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests... And the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar And poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why the waste of this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. In the Greek, that's an emphatic me. You you will not always have me, a uniqueness there. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, wherever, whenever, However, the gospel is preached throughout the world. What she has done will also be told in memory of her, fulfilled right now. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So first, and... This passage of scripture is bookended by the familiar characters of the religious institution. The clerics, the Pharisees, the um, Sadducees, the teachers on either side of this passage. And now they're really mad at Jesus. Remember how we talked about stories and about the story that Jesus told? Why are they mad at Jesus? The story that Jesus told was the story of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, the message of God that God has come to be with men and women in human form, and he was it. Well, he didn't quite give away that much yet, and that story wouldn't have been from left field. People would have been like, okay, God's kingdom is coming, but... The way that Jesus told it, they didn't like that very much. The people in authority positions really didn't like the way that Jesus told the story. 
And so at this point then, Jesus is rode into the city on a donkey, conquering war hero, the peasant king. <laughs> you picture him riding in on a donkey? What a scene. Comical almost. And then, you know, Jesus is challenged by these religious leaders. Who gave you the authority to talk like this? Who, who gave you the authority, Jesus, to do these things? And Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> Jesus is always quiet when we want him to speak. Jesus always speaks when we want him to shut up. Isn't that the way? Like, not now, Jesus. Don't put your finger on that in my life. He speaks up. You're like, Jesus, I really need a word from you. He's quiet. He's his own person. And then we said a couple of weeks back, that's how you know if you're worshiping the real Jesus, because the real Jesus doesn't agree with every single thing that you think about him. <laughs> that's how you know if you're worshiping the I God or Jesus. I God, iPhone, me God. Because the me God, the I God agrees with everything that you think about him. And just goes along with what you think about how God should treat you. Of course God would want to give me a raise at work. Why wouldn't he want to give me a raise at work? Of course God loves my kids and they're going to be rich and famous someday. Of course I'm going to be famous someday. God, you would want that for me, wouldn't you? But Jesus doesn't quite agree with everything that we think about who he is. And that's what the Pharisees got mad at. That God was actually speaking and had his own thoughts and opinions about the way that Things were being run here. And not only that, that God lowered himself and put himself under human authority in the person of Jesus. The Pharisees didn't like that too much either. Religious people don't like that. That God was actually had skin and bones. Religious people like the idea of a vague God who stays far away and governs by rules and regulations. Religious people really like that because it orders their world. Jesus messes things up. He puts on skin. He just messes us up. Messes up the way we think. Messes up the way we live. He's so naughty like that. <laughs> Stop it, Jesus. Stop being so human like us. Because we want, we want a God that's far away if we were really honest with one another. But the Father says, no, you're too precious for that. I'm going to come real close. Closer than what's comfortable than you, I'm going to put on skin and bones. I'm going to show you who I really am in the person of Jesus. So you've got this plot to kill him. They've had enough. He's turned over temple, temple tables. He's he went in all day turning over temple tables, as Jason reminded us a couple of weeks ago. This is an all-day affair. It's not just like a 30-minute thing. He flips over the tables and then leaves. He flips over the tables, and he takes over. He's like, I'm here. Come on, deal with it. <laughs> like, God's here. And he stays there all day. Religious leaders, they didn't like that too much. Oh, shoot, I forgot to set my timer. Oh boy. Okay. Then, um, then he, after he flips over the tables, you know, there's this challenge of, they're ready to kill him. They're ready to string him up. 
by this point, midweek, by Wednesday, they're ready to kill him. And then he gets invited to dinner. And when I read this this week, my heart blew up. It's really great. I felt like God gave me some things to share with us this morning, and I I wanted to share this with you. While he was in Bethany, in verse 3, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. So much packed in there that we just skip over a lot of times. What's happening there? Isn't it amazing that Jesus, knowing of his imminent death, he's in his final week, fully God, fully man, that he stops and receives an invitation to dinner. Just, just for, hang with me. For all practical purposes, he doesn't, he doesn't escape into some melancholic kind of state. I'm going to die. I'm going to go be alone. He doesn't lean away from community. He pushes into it. It's the week of his death. He's going to be strung up on Friday, and he, and he, he accepts a dinner reservation at this dude's house, Simon the leper. Who is Simon the leper? Well, lepers in that time are unclean. Everywhere they, had, everywhere they went, unclean, unclean. They had to say it out loud so that people would stay away from them because of their contagious nature. So a leper is not inviting anybody over to dinner. Why is he called Simon the leper in the record? A lot of people would agree that he's called, this is like a, a nickname that he's carried because Jesus has healed him. And he, he very well may be Lazarus' father. This is the house of Lazarus' father. And Lazarus is there. And Mary is there. Just raised this dude from the dead. He's about to die himself. Accepts a dinner invitation. Come on. That's amazing. In the house of a dude he's just cleansed from leprosy and whose son he's just raised from the dead. That's amazing. So that's the context by which this woman, who she's unnamed in this, in this recording, anoints Jesus' head and other Places say his feet as well. All over. It's all over. The perfume's all over. We'll get to that in a second. You know, think about his week. He's had a really rough week. Have you ever, ever had a really rough week and you're like, I don't want to show up to church this morning. I don't want to be around church people. I don't want to go small group tonight. You know, I'm really struggling in my marriage. I really don't feel like being around people. Jesus had a really tough week. (laughs) And he presses into community. Amazing. Just amazing. He knew he he was going to suffer. And then there's Mary with her jar of perfume. And she fulfills prophecy maybe even without her being aware that she's fulfilling prophecy, 
Check it. Song of Solomon 1.12. While the king is at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. She anoints Jesus. There's a lot, a lot of things that are happening here. Mark says that it was an alabaster jar. An alabaster jar is like this stone that's kind of semi-clear. You can see through it. And this jar is broken. We read that it's broken. Check it. Very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Many of you might be aware of the contents of the alabaster jar. This nard or spike nard is very costly. We read in other places that it's like 300 denarii. We're like, oh, that's like 300 bucks. Sweet. Mm-mm. You see, this perfume or this oil, this spike nard, was specific to a geographic location in the Himalayan mountains. And shipping was not UPS. <laughs> shipping was not Amazon drones. No drones, donkeys. <laughs> India, it was specific to India. And so this perfume that she had in this alabaster jar would have been worth like the equivalent of like $50,000 salary. And it would have been reserved for like a once in a lifetime thing. This is like her retirement. Think of it as her retirement package. It's so costly, but we look over it, we're like, oh, 300 denarii, that's like 300 bucks. It's like a whole year's worth of wages. Mary with her perfume. And then it says that she broke it. Have you ever thought about what that was like? She broke it. Why is she breaking the bottle? Why is she breaking the bottle? On his head. On his feet. Everywhere. The perfume is every. This fragrance would have filled the entire room that they were in. Everywhere. Other sources say that it was like a pound of this perfume. A pound of it. Everywhere. And she broke the jar. Why did she break the jar? If I were to speculate, again... This would be my opinion. So, grain of salt. Eat the meat. Spit out bones. Everywhere. Broken pieces. Can you see Mary? Every, what is the commercial good to the last drop? What, what, who is that? I don't know. Good to the last drop. Because it's not enough for Jesus. Mary so other people couldn't see. We'll get to the dispute later that why are you wasting this once in a lifetime gift on Jesus? A year's worth, and she breaks it because it's, the contents are not enough for what Jesus is worth. 
I want all of it. There's some over there on his hands, his feet. And when that ran dry, she takes her hair, something that is a woman's dignity in the, in the Middle East and that you do not do. And she lets it down and begins to weep to add to the quantity of the perfume mixed and mingled with her tears because it's still not enough because of how much Jesus is worth to her. Jesus, you raised my brother. My brother was stone cold, dead. And you said, come out. And he came to life. My dad, my father was unclean. And you said, be clean. You touched him and made him whole. It's not enough, Jesus. A pound, $50,000, it's not enough. For the passion that's in my heart to worship you. This is authentic worship. She's looking around for more of this perfume because it's not enough. Her tears are not enough. It's like that John Mark McMillan song. Do you know John Mark McMillan, the songwriter? He says that every bottle of perfume with Jesus, it always ends up on the floor in a mess. Because the love of God is stronger than even the power of death. It's not enough, Mary says. Every shard of alabaster still has perfume on it that I could anoint Jesus' feet with. We'll see what happens there in a second. Hang with me, because the dispute comes then, and other accounts say that it's Judas who leads this charge. Judas says, wait a second, this is a waste of resources. And I think it's Luke. I believe it's Luke. Luke would be specific like this. And Luke says, he, think, he says this, Judas says this because he was helping himself to the money for the poor. He was helping himself to the money for the poor. And so Judas says this out of a heart. That says, this is a waste. It's a waste of money. Do you know how many people we could feed with that? Isn't the religious spirit always like that? Your worship is a waste. You know, you, there are probably 50 things that you could be doing better with your time than worshiping Jesus. No, there's not. Amen. That's not a waste of time. That's not a waste of money. Because Mary saw what others couldn't see. That it's never enough. I will never have enough. I could never waste my money on Jesus. It all comes from him anyway. This is what authentic worship looks like. And the others are seeing this as a waste. Yeah, and some people are going to see your worship as a waste. They're going to say, why are you wasting, let alone your time and your money and your uh, whatever, fill in the blank. You're wasting your life on Jesus. But our hearts cry, is there any perfume in our lives, in our lives that's worth withholding from Jesus? Is there anything worth withholding from him? No. The truth is, is that nothing is wasted 
when it's poured out on Jesus' feet because his presence is worth everything. His presence is worth everything. And here's the goods. On the other side of this dispute, here's the goods. I love it. Verse 9, I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done, what she's done, will also be told in memory of her. What's so special about this? Why does she get remembered? Have you ever thought about that? Why does Jesus honor her? Whenever, whenever it's preached, it doesn't matter where the gospel, the good news is preached, she's going to get remembered. You know, here's Mary. You know, a couple of times before Jesus had said, you know, you're going to have the Son of Man with you for a little bit, and then I'm going away. And he'd allude to his death a few times, right? Do you wonder if Mary knew that she was preparing him for burial? Did she know? Or was she fulfilling prophecy even unaware? I think either way that our worship ushers in the kingdom of God in a way that nothing else can. Worship ushers in the future reality of the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about just singing or sung worship, that's part of it. But when Paul says to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, that's our spiritual act of worship. That that ushers in the future reality of the kingdom of God. So why does this woman get remembered whenever the gospel is preached? Every last drop. This is authentic worship. Why does she get remembered? He intended it for more. Check it out. Ecclesiastes 7, 1. A good name is better than fine perfume and the day of death better than the day of birth. A good, day, a good name is better than fine perfume. So what others saw as a waste of Mary's resources, Jesus called good and eternal and remembered forever. Judas said, you're losing everything. You're wasting everything. You're losing everything. But Mary gained something that Judas could never see. She gained a good name. And God says that a good name is better than fine perfume. A good name is better. And this is why Mary felt like that. In Isaiah 52, 7, we read that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him bringing good news. As she anoints his feet. Check this one out. 2 Corinthians. There it is. But thanks be to God who always leads us triumphantly as captives 
in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. No other feet in the entire world were more beautiful to Mary than the feet of Jesus. Jesus changed her life. Jesus brought her brother back from the dead. And Jesus had brought new meaning to her family. To Mary, every step Jesus took was precious, honored, and valued. A good name is better than perfume. And there's one other thing that she was doing unaware as she's wiping her feet, and we'll close here. As she's wiping his feet with this perfume, covering his feet with this perfume, with her, with her hair, remember, and her tears, we get this picture of how Christ feels about us. Because what part of Mary's body is, is being anointed as she anoints his feet? It's like she's anointing his feet, but he's anointing her head. He's choosing her. You see that? She's unaware of it. She's pouring it out. And Jesus is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And anoints her hair, her head. Now she's a member of his body, if you will. Isn't that wonderful about Jesus? The main question is what's holding us back? If this is what, if this is what authentic worship looks like, what is holding us back? Mary was connected with Jesus. She needed to worship. There was nothing holding her back. Nothing could stop her. What is, what is the thing that no one can hold you back from? What's that thing in your life? Maybe Jesus is putting his finger on it right now as we're talking about it. What's that thing that no one can hold you back from? That you could be stuck in traffic for like an hour and a half, but you're still going you're still going there. What is that thing that you think about? What is that thing that is center in your life? For Mary, for Mary, no one could stop her from pouring that oil on Jesus' feet. No one could tell her that it was too much. No one could tell her that it was a waste of time. She's like, not hearing it. This is not enough. For my Jesus. This is not enough. And, and me before you today, this is not enough. Speaking of Jesus, worshiping him, I, I just I want to give my whole life to him. I don't care if I look like an idiot. I don't care if I look like a moron. Because I want I want to see folks get healed. I want to see freedom. I want to see healing happen. I want to see the rule and the reign of God come to Cleveland in a real way. Like I've never experienced, like the city has never experienced, because I have this crazy notion that the Lord Jesus from, from when 
this woman anointed his feet that he was thinking about you, Vineyard Cleveland, that there are a group of people who are so committed to worshiping Jesus that nothing can hold them back from his presence, that we will stop at nothing to see the presence of Jesus honored in our city. Why not? Why not us? He's not super picky about where he shows up. He's like, Cleveland, sweet, awesome, let's do it. Why don't you stand with me? Let's go, let's, I'm encouraged. What's holding us back? What is holding us back? It might be a past hang up or hurt or it might be fear of some sort. It might be a lesser thing. You know how we talk about lesser lights or lesser things. Maybe, maybe it's a lesser thing. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you're like, you know, I don't have time. I'm, I'm working this many hours a week. You know, but Mary brought what she could. Mary brought what she could. It wasn't the only pound of perfume that was on the market in her day and age, but it was her pound of perfume, so she brought it. She brought what she could. What can you bring? Because your heart longs to worship, and your heart will worship something. Your heart will worship someone. Bob Dylan said it. You got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. You, your heart will worship something. What's holding you back? from worshiping Jesus. And I want to turn this positive. Instead of saying, you know, and the focus on me, yeah, I've got all, these, all this stuff in me, right, that's holding me back from worshiping. I want, to, I, want to, I want to spin this. Like, if you, if you are like, you know, I don't want anything holding me back anymore. I'm tired of being held back. I want to move forward. I don't want to be held back anymore. I don't want anything to hold me back. Why don't you come forward? You say, I, w- I want all that God has for me. In this next season, I, I, want, to, I want to see this type, this, uh, this, this Mary worship, not worship him. This, this type of worship that Mary is showing Jesus, I want the bottle of perfume on the floor in a mess. I don't want to be held back. These things, they're no match for Jesus. And he'll meet you right where you are, I promise. I promise you that. Just as he met Mary. Say, I don't want anything holding me back. God, I want all that you have for me. I want to worship you like this. I want my heart to feel free like Mary's heart felt. This is uninhibited. This is not caring about what others think. You know, this is in the here and now. This is between you and God. You say, I, don't, I, want, to put, I want to put the blinders on right now for a second. I need to behold you, Jesus. I'm sick of things holding me back. I want to behold you. It's about you and him. Then you come forward. You say, I want, I want that. I, I want that.
Jesus, I want what you have for me. Don't be afraid. You can come. Mary wasn't afraid. Mary was not afraid. Fear was nowhere in her vocabulary that night. She could care less about whether she was afraid or not. She just needed to get to the feet. Show me the feet. For real. She's tunnel vision. I want what you have for me, God. He's a good father who cares for you. Give him your heart this morning. 